This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Thank you. Well, good afternoon, everyone. We're going to look then at the subject of the Psalms this afternoon, and in particular, looking at the subject of God, God revealed in the Psalms. And as Christadelphians, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and it's the only book that we can turn to, to find out about God's purpose and God's ways with mankind. And so... As we come to the Psalms today, we're going to see within the Psalms part of a consistent message which is taught throughout the Bible concerning the God of heaven. When we look at the, the picture on the, the screen at the moment, you'll see the picture is of a harp. And if you're interested in, in the picture, it's actually taken in Jerusalem at the entrance to the excavations of the city of David and so when the excavations were opened they put this image of a harp on the, on the outside of the entrance gate there reminding us that King David the king who was king in Jerusalem was the author of many psalms and played upon a harp and so we're going to look at the, the psalms today some of them uh, written by David and whoever the human author was, as we'll see in a moment, they were all written by the inspiration of God. Looking then at the Psalms, and this is going to be the first talk, I believe, in a, in a series of talks on the uh, poetic books of the Bible. And if you just look at the different books that there are in the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, there's a section of books which are mainly poetic, through from Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. There up in that section in the, on the top, top right corner. They all come together pretty much in the centre of our Bibles as we have them today. And the Psalms were written to be sung and to be understood. Let's have a look at a comment that's, that's made about the Psalms in the second book of Samuel, chapter 23. It talks about David, David the king of Israel. David, it says, The son of Jesse said, The man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. And so David, in this reference in Second Samuel 23, speaks of himself as the psalmist, the writer of the psalms. And many of the psalms, when you look through them, it says at the introduction, it's a psalm of David. And so he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. But I want also to note what it says about where those words of the psalmist came from. It says, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. 
And so those words which were spoken, which were sung by David in these psalms, were words which were inspired by God himself. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me. And so through these psalms, God is revealing himself to David, to the people of Israel at his time, and to us as we're able to read those psalms together today. And the psalms were, as we said, verses which were sung. There's a reference to that in in the psalms themselves. Psalm 33 and verse 2 says, Praise the Lord with harp, sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. And so these psalms were used to instruct people in the ways of God, but they were sung. They would have been written in a way which was memorable, that they would be able to sing them and learn of the ways of God as a way of understanding God's ways and of putting their trust in the great God of heaven. So with those words of introduction, then, what do the Psalms reveal about God? Well, one element that I'd like to look at first of all is that they show that God is the creator. Perhaps we can just turn to the Psalms. We've got um, four references there on the screen. If we come to the first one of those, which is Psalm 19. The Psalm opens with a a declaration relating to God as the creator of all things. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. And so David was able to look up to the stars, see the, the moon and the stars, and he says, These things declare the glory of God. And they show that there is a creator. The firmament showeth his handiwork. These are the works of God. They have come about by the creation of God himself. The heavens declare the glory of God. They show his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. So just by looking at the wonders of the creation, to look at the, the way in which the moon and stars are all being put there, these, the psalmist says, speak to us about a God who is a creator and who has knowledge. All these things happen. We have day and night. We have seasons. All these things work in a wonderful way to provide the environment which we have upon earth and they show the knowledge the wisdom and the creative ability of God as the creator there are a number of references to the creation in this way in the Psalms let's have a a look back a few pages at at Psalm 8 Psalm 8 particularly at verse 3 but if we start at the beginning of the psalm it says O Lord our Lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens 
Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? So the psalmist here recognises the vast contrast between the wisdom and the power of an almighty God who has put the heavens in their place, the stars and the moon in their place. How insignificant in comparison to that power and that wisdom is man. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? And as we'll come on to see in a few moments, despite that great difference, God does indeed have a purpose with man and God is interested in in what mankind is doing. But the psalm here just shows how great is that contrast when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers. These are the things which God has put in place. He speaks of it again later on in, in the Psalms. Psalm 124 again brings out this element of the power of the great creator. We start at verse 6 on Psalm 124. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so this is one of the psalms, it's, see at the, the start of the psalm, it says it's a song of degrees of David. And David here shows that he is able to put his trust in the great God to deliver him from his enemies. But he says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. His confidence is in a God with that huge power and the huge wisdom to be able to do those things. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And having seen these things, the power of God in creation, we see the contrast with that. If we come back to Psalm 14, Psalm 14 and verse 1. The psalmist says, as we, as we saw in Psalm 19, that the heavens declare the, the glory of God and that there is a creator in contrast to that, we read in verse 1 of Psalm 14, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. To deny that there is a God is foolishness. This is the teaching of the Psalms to us. God is a great creator and the heavens Declare his glory and his creative power and his wisdom. 
But the Psalms also demonstrate to us the character of the great God who has made all these wonderful things. We read Psalm 86 to, to introduce the talk this afternoon. Perhaps we can turn, turn back to Psalm 86. In that psalm, it's one of a number of psalms which speak about the different characteristics of this God who has made all things. He's a God who has revealed his character to us. So we read the, the whole of the psalm, but I want to just... Coming at verse 14, it says, O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God. And then he goes on to describe the wonderful character of the great God who has made all things. He says this, Thou art a God full of compassion, and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me, and have mercy upon me. And so this great God is a God, the psalmist says, is a God who is full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and truth. And these characteristics are here in the Psalms, and we'll look at a couple of other Psalms in a moment, which, which also speak of the, the character of God. But they are an echo of what had been revealed about the character of God earlier on in the Bible, which we're able to look at today. At the time of the Exodus, Moses asked to see the glory of God. And God spoke to him and described his character. I'd like to just turn out of the psalm just for a moment to, to have a look at this because I think it will help us to understand what the psalms are bringing out to us. Can we back, come back to Exodus chapter 33 and 34? In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18, Moses speaking here, he says... I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And in response, in verse 19, he was told, My God, I will make all my goodness to pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And the glory of God was going to be seen in the character which he had. I will make my goodness pass before thee. And if we just flow through into chapter 34, God does reveal himself to Moses in chapter 34. And it says in verse 5 that the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed... The Lord, the Lord God, and see the echo of what we've just seen in that Psalm 86. Merciful and gracious, 
long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Here is the character of God. These are a demonstration of the, the glory of God is seen in this wonderful character of a God who is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. Forgiving mercy, sorry, ki- sorry, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Here then is the, the character of God revealed to Moses. And this is reflected then in what we see in the Psalms. This consistent message of the Bible concerning the great God of heaven. So coming back to the Psalms, I just want to look at two other references which bring together many of the, the same elements of the, the character of God as they're put together in the, in the Psalms. The next one, Psalm 103, and at verse 8. We start at, at verse 6, it says, The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. And so God is merciful He's slow to anger, but as we saw in in Exodus, it says it will by no means clear the guilty. Eventually God does act to bring judgment. But God's character is one of mercy, graciousness, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. And that is reflected once again, if we just turn forward to the, the third reference, Psalm 145 and verse 8 once again very similarly we have this description of God revealed in the Psalms coming in at verse 6 of Psalm 145 the men and men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts and I will declare thy greatness they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness the Lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger and of great mercy the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works all thy works shall praise thee O Lord and thy saints shall bless thee so this character of God who is full of compassion, graciousness, long-suffering, is echoed time after time as we look through the words of the Psalms which we have before us. And so God is a God who has revealed his character and has also revealed that he has a purpose, a purpose in the things which he has created. Just come back to Psalm 72. Psalm 72 is a lovely psalm which gives to us a picture of the time of the kingdom of God upon the earth. 
and we're going to come back to this psalm a little later on. But I just want to look at, at this point, at the, the conclusion of the psalm, where it speaks about the purpose of God as it's brought about through his kingdom. In uh, verse 18 it says, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things, and blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. God has a, a purpose of filling the earth with his glory. It's expressed clearly here as God reveals himself in the Psalms. And it's expressed another four times in different references throughout the Old Testament. God has a purpose that he will fill the earth with his glory. And what is that glory? Well, we saw in the character of God that that is an expression of the glory of God. And that glory is seen in those who are prepared to follow after the ways of God. God wants men and women to reflect his character in themselves. And we shall look at that a little bit later on. But God has a purpose. The whole earth will be filled with his glory. And it's a purpose which is embodied in the name of God himself. Just come forward to the 83rd Psalm, if you could please. Psalm 83 and verse 18. We have a reference there, one of many references to the name of God. And in verse 18, the last verse of Psalm 83, it says, That men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. And so there's a reference there to the name of God, whose name alone is Jehovah. That's how it's rendered in the authorised version. In the Hebrew, perhaps the best rendering of that name rather than Jehovah is Yahweh. And Bullinger in his emphasised Bible, in the introduction to that Bible, he gives the meaning to the name of God and he says really that Hebrew word Yahweh means he who becometh. And the fact that the, the name of God, the name Yahweh is rendered in that way as it's to be understood as a, a word which can be translated, gives to us the idea of God having a future purpose. He who becometh. He who will become something different. God has a future purpose. It could be translated, he who will be. And God reveals himself as one who will be manifested or revealed 
not just as himself, but in a multitude. If we turn forward to Psalm 106, have a example there of where this name of God is put together with another word in the in the psalm. Psalm 106 and verse 48. It says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Well that word Lord in capital letters is the same word in the Hebrew as we saw in the 83rd Psalm where it's translated there as Jehovah it's this name of God it's the name Yahweh blessed be Yahweh and then it says God blessed be the Lord God and the word God there is a plural word it's the word Elohim which means mighty ones so if we were trying to translate the, the names that are being used here by the psalmist, it's saying, Blessed be he who becometh, or he who will be, the mighty ones of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. God is going to be manifested or revealed in a multitude. And this is something which is here embodied within the Psalms and it's something which is expanded elsewhere in the scriptures. I just wanted to look at two references in the New Testament to uh, help us to understand this a little better. To come across to, first of all, the, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. chapter 15 going to look at the, the section there from verse 14 through to verse 17 this was a time when the apostles had met together in Jerusalem to discuss the, the problem of whether the Gentiles should be allowed to become part of the community of the believers and in verse 12 it says then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them because Paul and Barnabas had been out preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and performing the miracles through the work of the Holy Spirit In verse 13 after they had held their peace James answered saying men and brethren hearken unto me Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down and will build again the ruins thereof that are set up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called saith the Lord who doeth all these things 
And so here, in relation to the, the calling of the Gentiles, the apostles are quite clear in their understanding that God is calling out the Gentiles as a people for his name. They are to be part of the work of God. And in relation to this, Jesus gave a, a prayer just before his crucifixion, which I think again helps us to understand God's purpose with a multitude. Come back to John chapter 17, please, and look at verse 20. Here was the, the prayer of Jesus just before his betrayal and crucifixion. And he's praying for his disciples. We'll come in at verse 20 and it says, Neither pray I for these alone, not just for the disciples who have been with me, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And so Jesus prays to God for his disciples and for the other believers, that they may be one along with God and the Lord Jesus Christ. God is going to be manifested or revealed, not just in Jesus, but in his followers. So that God's purpose will be fulfilled, that they may be one even as we are one. And when we put these ideas together, we can see that the purpose of God is to be revealed by a multitude of believers in the earth who reflect the glory of God in his character. That character which we've been looking at in the words of the Psalms. God is going to be revealed in a multitude. He who will be mighty ones. Here is the name of God and the glory of God in his purpose and character revealed in the Psalms. And so when we look through the Psalms, there are abundant references then to the name of God. It's a name which is referred to time and time again because it's so important, because it reveals God's purpose. Let's just come back then to the Psalms now and have a look through how the Psalms continually refer to the importance of God and his name. Psalm 5, first of all. Psalm 5, verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous, and favour wilt thou compass them, him as with a shield. And so, the 
rejoicing is for those who love thy name love the name of God which encompasses the wonderful character of God and his purpose just coming forward then just looking through just these examples of these wonderful psalms which speak to us about the name of God we saw um, Psalm 8 verse 3 but if we come back to Psalm 8 and look at verse 1 it says O Lord our Lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth for thou hast set thy glory above the heavens and that's how the psalm concludes in in verse 9 O Lord our Lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth coming forward to the Psalm 22 At verse 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. I will declare thy name. It's a a name which is important and brings out the purpose and the character of God. Perhaps we'll just... Read these, these next two from the screen. I will praise the name of God with a song, says Psalm 69 in verse 30, and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. You see there, the praise, I will praise the name of God with a song magnify him with thanksgiving and that praise to God is indeed a a sacrifice in itself we read in in Hebrews about the sacrifice of praise and the psalmist says well that full hearted worship of God and praise to the name of God is better than just giving an, an animal sacrifice as they did under the law of Moses if that was done without having that understanding and that heart and praise along with it Psalm 96 says give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name and so God's name these are just a few examples of the, the many where God's name is abundantly sung of throughout these Psalms so God has a purpose revealed in his name and God is going to bring about a kingdom upon the earth just have a look once again at the at the 8th psalm it's a wonderful psalm which contains so much in just a few verses and in psalm 8 we come now to look about look at the revelation of God's kingdom upon the earth in Psalm 8 and verse 7 it says all sheep and oxen and beasts of the field uh, fowl of the air I've got the wrong reference there images Um, 
to Psalm 9. Yeah, sorry. Psalm 9, verse 7 to 9. Psalm 9 says, But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge to the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. And here the, the psalmist says that God, about God that God will judge the world in righteousness. And these are words which are, are quoted by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17. Where Paul says that God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained. Even the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God's going to intervene to bring judgment, to bring about God's kingdom upon the earth and that kingdom is what was described in Psalm 72 I just want to finish then by looking at that in the last couple of references Psalm 72 gives a picture of the wonderful time of a world ruled upon the principles of the character of God we saw God's character earlier on and in Psalm 72 the kingdom of God it's, it's described there as a kingdom run upon the principles of a, a God displaying those characteristics verse 1 give the king thy judgments O God and thy righteousness unto the king's son he shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment the mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people and save the children of the needy and break in pieces the oppressor. Here is a, a kingdom which is run on principles of mercy and, and graciousness, care for those who are in need. And if we come down to verse 16, that continues. There shall be a handful of corn in, in the earth upon the top of the mountains, and the fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. And so the Psalms speak of a wonderful kingdom which is to come upon the earth. A kingdom in which we are called upon to be able to share in that time. The Psalms speak of those who respond to the ways of God and being blessed by him. Psalm 9 says, They that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. And so if we seek God, God will not forsake us. Psalm 23 said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
So God is able and willing to care for those who turn to him. And so the final reference is Psalm 25 where we read, For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. And here the psalmist felt the need for forgiveness. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. God had a wonderful way of salvation, a way to find forgiveness for mankind without compromising the wonderful character which God has, a God who is merciful, gracious, abundant in goodness and in truth. And that way of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness and the hope of eternal life come through the Lord Jesus. And God willing, the talk, the next one in this series, is on the Psalms about the Lord Jesus Christ, where I'm sure that subject will be covered. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Christadelphians.org.uk.